Good morning and welcome to our viewers in the U.S. and around the world. To kick off this morning's broadcast, do me a favor. Please share the show with your online friends or start a viewing party. And remember to post a comment or question. Your voice matters and I want to hear from you. And my next guest has been on the forefront of thinking about new ways to think about this nation. Uh, he is a legendary civil rights leader, an activist, a Baptist minister, a former Democratic presidential candidate himself. Uh, he began his journey of fighting for civil rights uh, over five decades ago. He worked directly with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the 1960s and ran for president in 1984 and 1988. In his later presidential bid, he won over 6 million votes. Uh, he won seven primaries and four caucuses. He has graced the cover of Time Magazine multiple times, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. I, 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 I enjoyed the, the Mark Ridley and the, the Mark Ridley. He's, he's a very special Oh, we love in Los Angeles. He is a treasure to all of us in, in Los Angeles and the state of California. And I know that the two of you have had an opportunity to work together. So uh, he, he spoke very fondly of you as well, Reverend Jackson. I mind, I mind very much. So I, I'm just thrilled and elated to be able to sit down and talk with you, Reverend Jackson, particularly in this moment uh, that we are in. You have been on the forefront for the last five decades fighting for uh, civil rights and, and justice and equality. Uh, you've been a part of the most memorable uh, and outstanding protest movement in this country. So I, I want to ask you first, what stands out for you the most about that period in your life when you were on uh, well, the front lines? I first went to July 16, 1960, really 60 years ago, July 16, 1960. What stands out to me about that period, about the period that we're in now, this coming Thursday, July the 6th, August, it's really our July the 4th. Uh, first thing, we had the right to vote, frankly. American democracy really is just 55 years old. It's not, we, we, don't, we don't use Jefferson Philadelphia democracy, we use Selma democracy. Jefferson democracy, only white male landowners could vote. Most didn't, didn't own land, the women couldn't, blacks couldn't vote. It was really kind of limited, it was kind of race supremacy, really. Selma democracy, blacks could vote. What women could serve on juries, 18 years could vote. You could vote by uh, on campus, you could vote bilingually, Native Americans could vote. We export some of them out. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't export Philadelphia democracy. That's the first thing. Second thing is that I think in focusing on, on John Lewis's survival and what he did during that period, we must appreciate the foundation that Dr. King and John operated from. NWA was born in 1911. In the midst of lynching, the Supreme Court turned us over to segregation masses as opposed to slave masses. 4,000 blacks were lynched between 1880 and 1940, lynching. These lawyers, two or three at a time, sometimes going to places with dark corners and stay in people's homes, they couldn't stay in hotels. The 54 decision was a big deal. You have Dred Scott, 1857, you have Press Plus, 1857. 1896, and you have this decision. It's the foundation of everything. I asked Ms. Parsons, I said, Ms. Parsons, why did you so I, I, I thought about challenging the fifth for this to see if it were valid. She's a guy named Attorney Fred Gray made every Wednesday. How do you challenge the fifth for decision to test it? It was a test case. So she responds to David Marshall. Now, the King responds to her with Montgomery and Pruitt's boycott. 
then those responses ought to change. So you must appreciate that the, the, the legal foundation shifted in 1954, the legal foundation. About the time they would do the credit they got to deserve, John Hope Franklin, uh, his testimony, uh, testimony of uh, Kenneth Clark, black and white dolls and proven segregation in, injured both white and blacks, Thurgood Marshall, Constance Baker Motley, Joe Rao, Jack Greenberg. Serious legal work laid the foundation of living up and live under the law. The next nine years were struggling, marching, and protesting, going to jail, sitting in, burning buses, and all of that, which John was a leader in, 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 in that phase of our struggle. But let me submit this to you. In 1963, Dr. King and John Lewis spoke to the March on Washington. That day, from Texas to Florida to Maryland, we couldn't use a single public toilet. Back of buses were standard. We couldn't buy a stream at Howard Johnson. We couldn't run a room at Holiday Inn. Black and brown so sat behind Nazi Pure Devils American military bases, August 63. 64, public, in, in, in that, that indignant, that, that barbarism, for lack of a better way to put it. 64, Democratic Convention, the Mississippi Democratic Party said the white Democrats don't, don't represent us. That was a showdown in Atlanta City that year. Next year, John leads the march across the bridge in Selma, Alabama. My point is, 54 to 65, those 11 years determined everything that flows after that. The right to vote, uh, some democracy. Again, blacks to vote for the first time. So you look up and see a black man named Montgomery Selma in Birmingham, Dr. King never saw a black man in Atlanta, Georgia, for example. He died of two black males, Dick Hatch and Carl Soaks in Cleveland. Mark Ritter Thomas, who was an NCLC organizer in California, now county commissioner. All this comes in the, in the wake of the 65 decision. This coming to August 6th would be the anniversary of the August 6th decision. It's, it's out July the 4th, really. When you reflect back on those protest movement and how it resulted in the substantial laws we saw in terms of voting rights and uh, anti-discrimination laws and housing and employment. When you look at today's protest movement, what, what would you say to these leaders, the protesters, the activists now who are on the streets, who've been on the streets uh, for months, what is the significant policy change that you think can come out of the protests that we are witnessing today? When you protest, do heavy lifting. Uh, there are those in the 60s who try to go on their own and, and be dismissive of the, of the struggle that had made us possible. It didn't last very long. Mandela and Tumbo in South Africa, they hooked in the ANC, they hooked into the, the main thing. NWA's legal struggles, SCLC, Urban League, was the, the main struggles. Today, this generation must fight for the constitutional right to vote. As a matter of fact, this week, uh, uh, Dick Durbin from Illinois and uh, Ms. Warren, Warren uh, put in a legislation to make vote a constitutional right. Now, it's a state's right. Every state has its own deal. So 50 states separate on equal schemes. You end up losing in Florida in 20, in 2000, because the Secretary of State manipulated the numbers, brought in prisoners to confuse the process. Bush got 530 vote lead, stopped the count at midnight, 27,000 blacks in, in devout, uncounted. That wouldn't happen with the Constitution right to vote. You, 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 in, in 2016, Hillary won by, six, by, three, three, by three million votes. Mm -hmm. Electoral College, I mean, there's no class A and class B stock in voting. 
She got the, she won about three million votes. She should be the president. We, we got the, that, that's the big deal. The constitutional right to vote. In the meantime, we've got to get the, the Section 5 restored. So when they, they move in districts and that like, it's, it, it's, it's dealt with. So that's one thing. The second thing is, every place that a lynching occurred, there should be a marker. That's Brian Stevens' position, uh, Economic Justice Institute in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were driven north by terror, driven west by terror. I mean, they, they burned Tulsa, they burned Rosewood, Florida. They hung us on, on the states. We were driven north without jobs by terror. That must be unearthed in this season of, of, of revelation. I want to ask you, uh, Reverend Jackson, you ran for president uh, twice, 1984 and 1988. Uh, and you had a very, what considered then to be a, super, a very progressive platform. Uh, when you look at this upcoming November election, I know that you originally endorsed uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, are you endorsing Joe Biden? I suppose Joe Biden, let me submit to you, I, uh, when I ran in 84 and 88, White officials were afraid to endorse me, and so Bernie Sanders did. On our commitment to health care, that health care is present in every city, health care disparities. We need a single-payer health care system, and I think it's going to happen this time. When, when uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie talked about it during the campaign, it was seen as, as abstract. But now, given COVID-19, everybody must be covered. If you don't cover the, the driver, you could not covering the driven. The cook, no, you have, who they cook for. Who must have a comprehensive health care? That has to be an agenda item. Health disparities in all these towns. Also, education disparities. Given the fact we're talking about virtual learning and distance learning, black kids don't have computers. Those who can teach computers, they'll be further behind. That's, that's a big deal. Equal access to education. Education is tax-based funded as opposed to intrinsic worth. If you live in an area where tax-based high education is good, tax-based low education is bad. Interesting enough, we, we do well on football and basketball. It's hard to be the best basketball player, best football player in the world, but the reason we're so good at the playing field is even. Rules are public, goals are clear, we're fair, and scores transparent. We fight for even playing for access to education. And, and computer science and capital industry technology deal flow. Those are our challenges today. Are you surprised, uh, Reverend Jackson, to see that your platform, which was considered to be really radical back in the 80s, has now in many ways been embraced by the current day Democratic Party uh, around things like uh, health, universal health care, single payer, uh, around criminal justice reform, reducing sentencing for nonviolent uh, drug charges. So many of the things that were part of your platform in the 1980s have now become uh, very acceptable and in being embraced by today's Democratic Party. Does that surprise you? Well, no, neither, neither party supported free Mandela. And it's just all over America because we consider Mandela a terrorist. South Africa was, was, our, was our ally. So Mandela was on the terrorist list up in 1996 after he'd been out of jail and had been elected president. So free Mandela was considered radical. It was not, it was just basic human, human, basic human, human. Basic rights for all people. And so I'm delighted to live long enough to see uh, the voting rights uh, going to the 
Senate this week as constitutional right. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yes. Uh, they have comprehensive, comprehensive health care based upon sickness. That's a big deal. Uh, to stop the flow of drugs in our community, the flow of guns. You know, the right to bear arms is, is, is a constitutional right. The right to vote is not a constitutional right. We, we must clean up all of this. I'm, I'm excited to see it happen. And you talked about living long enough, Reverend Jackson. So you know that Joe Biden has made a commitment to make a woman his running mate. And this week, we are likely to learn who that woman is. He also told us recently that there are four African-American women who are at the top of his list of consideration. Uh, what are your thoughts about, uh, this won't be the first time that a Democratic uh, you know, candidate has chosen a woman. We had Geraldine Ferraro, but this might be the first time that an African-American woman is uh, on the ticket for VP. Uh, any thoughts about- well, Ferraro, she, she just came out of our campaign. We all get in the 84. If India going to be in India, Go to America head Israel, and uh, you could have uh, the woman head in uh, Britain at the time. A woman would be president. We kept arguing that case, arguing that case. But we were not willing to vote for me at that time. They, they liked that part of it. So, and so we raised it so high, the mother had to choose a woman, Julian Ferraro. That was a byproduct of our work in that day before. But now you look at those who are, who are up, for, up, up for consideration. You have, you have Kamala Harris, U.S. Senator from California. One of the ten Americans in California. That's a big deal. She brings she brings to the table uh, vote-getting ability. You look at Susan Rice, her capacity as a foreign policy leader is, is in the highest echelon. Uh, that of, of, of Congresswoman Bass, her, her Speaker of the House of California. I mean, these are high-level women, and one of them will be on the ticket. Another, another should be an attorney general. Another should be in the Supreme Court. I mean, these women all have significant roles in, 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 in the, the, the next government. In total agreement with you on that, uh, Reverend Jackson, and as a, a black woman and as a mother of two black daughters, I am just thrilled that African-American women, as you said, high caliber African-American women are being considered uh, by Joe Biden for his running mate. He, he cannot choose a secretary of state superior to uh, Susan Rice, for example, in terms of background experience. Uh, a woman with more credentials in some sense than, than, than Kamala in terms of her vote getting ability in one of the Americans in California. That's it. But now, whenever you choose, the big deal now, it seems to me, is somebody must be able to pull the South. We, we can win a Senate seat in North Carolina, black guy, in uh, South Carolina, Mississippi, Colorado. Whoever's on the ticket must be able to pull enough votes and those to turn red states blue or turn them purple. Who do you think on the list that he's considered has the ability to do that, to help him pull the South, Reverend Jackson? Well, I don't want to say that I don't want to get in the crossfire of the endorsement because all of them are so qualified. I wouldn't want to say anything here today. It diminish the, the option to be on the, on the ticket. All the world qualified to be on the ticket. There's that President Barack picked up Barack, picked up Biden and put him on the ticket. Uh, black women put Biden on, on their shoulders, took him across the country. He should put one on, 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 on his ticket. He, he's, he's, 
He's, he's telling them they're doing the right thing. I was about Joe Biden in that effort. And I appreciate that, Reverend Jackson. You're right. This has become uh, quite a, a dogfight. And, and there are lots of articles now about, you know, infighting amongst these women. And I hope the party and I know the party will be able to heal. You mentioned the South. I also wonder about uh, the progressives, because the progressives, you know, have become a, a big voting block within the Democratic Party. So when you think about how the party heals after this election, uh, the selection of a VP candidate, how do we make sure that that we, you know, bring the progressives, uh, you know, into the fold and, and that we don't see some of the fissures that we saw in the 2016 election with respect to the progressives? Is there any particular candidate that you think well, that bill? Sixty African Americans in the Congress now, led by people like Maxine Waters, is an able leader, 60 Blacks, four Latinos, twin Asians, two Native Americans. That's the heart of the progressive movement. So I'm convinced when this is over, you'll choose one of those persons. If you choose one, another can be Secretary of State, another can be Attorney General. I mean, it's not like they have to go from without to oblivion. These women are well qualified to have, have run their government. Right. There, there, there's lots of room in Biden's cabinet. And, I, and I'm so glad you said that because it's not just the one job as, as VP, but it is the diversity, both gender and race, that we are so excited about when we think about Joe Biden. And, and that's why you can't just focus on Joe Biden himself in the sense that between the negative ads that run on Joe Biden between now and November, you, you could be turned off by a given ad, but don't do that. Bottom up. The Congress is at stake, the Senate is at stake, judges are at stake, police chiefs are at stake, so that go voting bottom up, but, but don't, don't just go top down. Watch an 18 year old vote for Pell Grants. Watch a college student's vote, student loan debt reduction. I mean, we have many reasons to vote none, not to. No, and absolutely, you're right, Reverend Jackson. It's not just about the president. It's about flipping the Senate. It's about maintaining the House. It's about state houses and local elections we know are, are incredibly significant. I want to ask you uh, about Donald Trump. You've known Donald Trump for many, many years. Uh, are you surprised by how he is governing as president? Or, or is this what would have what everybody should have expected given his history? Well, we didn't expect this, you know, and we started the Rainbow Push Wall Street Project, Mark William Thomas called it, 27 years ago. And he came to the meeting with President Kennedy, with President Clinton, a kind of New York businessman, liberal type. We had no idea he was masking to be who he has, he has become. He's become a real serious right winger. I mean, Charlottesville. So the Mexican judge cannot be. Uh, judicious, African, the Caribbean assholes, babies born above. We have never known. Now he's considering not giving anything if he wins. He, he, he may just trust in the White House past January 20th and take him out bodily as, 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 as drama, as, as drama, as drama, as drama, as drama, as drama, as drama, as drama. So be, be, be very aware that he is in some very dangerous waters right through here. Yeah, you know, Reverend Jackson, one of the things that, that he has done, obviously, so, so divisive on so many levels, but even uh, with regards to this VP pick, running ads suggesting that, you know, somehow Latinos, the Latinx uh, women are being left out of this calculation by 
uh, Joe Biden and, and he's only favoring African-American women. So again, trying to sow the vision between Latinx women and African-American women. I, I wanna ask you though, how as a country do we fight back against this, this divisive president? He has the bully pulpit. He's able to get on television every day, masquerading with these coronavirus uh, task force uh, briefings that are really campaign rallies where he gets to sow more of that kind of divisive rhetoric. How do we fight back uh, against Donald Trump? And he will not have it long. That's, that's the good news. Second news is that we have the right to vote. We didn't, we didn't always, we, we all hope for change. Now we in fact have the power to vote for the next president and determine the next president and the Supreme Court, the Congress, House and Senate. We, we have that power. So I said, keep your eyes on the press. Don't be, don't be diverted by. He, he's manipulates the media through all. He says the cows of the moon, there, the rest of the cows and bones. I'm saying focus on voter registration, census, and voter suppression. Mm-hmm. Those three things must matter the most. Whatever he says, he, he won't have much longer to say it. We, 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 what was our hopes and not our fears? From your uh, lips to, to God's ears, absolutely, Reverend Jackson. I, I just want to ask you before I get out, uh, you've done so much. Your body of work is so expansive. We cannot think of a, a moment in the fight for civil rights You know, over the last 50, 60 years, as you just said, that doesn't include you being uh, involved, being you know on the front lines, being a leader in this movement. Uh, when future generations hear about, read about Reverend Jesse Jackson, what is it that you would want them to say and to know? Uh, and, you know, quite simply, what do you want your legacy to be? I joined the movement. I never stopped serving. John Lewis joined the movement. He, he joined it. The, 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 I keep saying the body of legal work done by NWA Legal Defense Law from 1954 was the foundation of everything we did. You could be a good lawyer and lose in 53. You could pull a lawyer and win in 55 when, when the law changed. Matter of fact, the folks in the Montgomery bus boycott. The big bill was in 56 when they, when they ratified the 54 decision. Once the 56 legal decision was won, then, the, then buses started changing all over America because the legal, the legal foundation. Don't, don't, don't forget the work of Thurgood Marshall and Joe Rao and Jack Greenbrook, Constance Becker Motley. Uh, they played a huge role in Attorney Matthew Perry. We live in our faith, we live under the law. They changed the law. And then it took us nine years to un- unravel the chokeholds that Southern Jim Crow had on, 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 on the culture. I remember Greenbrook, South Carolina. I, I never saw a black policeman. I was 20 years old. Mm. No black police, no black firemen. Blacks couldn't sell clothes downtown. No blacks on the school board. We were just, we were a little on the Democratic t- tyranny. The Democratic t- t- tyranny. But the fact of the matter is, we, we won the battle. Yeah. Now, you look, you look at Johnson speaking in the 64 Civil Rights Congress. Look like a 70 century textile show. All white men. Now you have, when Maxine Waters speaks, Wall Street has to listen. All right. When, when the Congresswoman Edna Bennett Johnson from Texas speaks, Silicon Valley says, we, We've never had this much representation of political power before in our lives. Yeah. Use this power and expand upon it. 
in many ways, these are bad times. The best times for us. We've never had this much power in, in American democracy. Right. Uh, final thoughts, uh, Reverend Jackson. How do you want us to, again, future generations, how, how do you want them to remember you? Well, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I serve every, every day. You know, today, for example, the big focus is on the Democratic Convention in, in, in August. And I, we're honored and sought by the Black Caucus Democrat Party. I'm, I'm glad, glad about that, the work we've done. But in sister, and I ran in 84, some called one to take off. I got 50, 47 in the vote. The opposition got 49, they got 100 votes. We challenged that. Maxine Waters and Willie Brown, we challenged that. And by 88, is proportionality. On 84 rules, Hillary Clinton was over the beat rock. She won California, Ohio, Texas, uh, New Jersey, and New York. On 84, we changed the rules to make it more fair. He would win, she would win, but she, she could only win what she wanted. She couldn't get his votes. Right. So changing the rules in 88 laid the groundwork for 08. We, we, that, that is significant to me. Who are the Americans home from foreign jails uh, using the moral authority of the civil rights movement in America? It's, it's significant to me. The good news is, uh, with the help of God, I've kept running and I've never stopped fighting. And every day of my life, I keep my hopes alive. Well, I think that says it all, Reverend Jackson. We will remember you for never giving up on the fight, for always serving, and for keeping hope alive. Thank you so much, Reverend Jackson, for sitting down with me. Continue uh, for many, 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 many more years uh, the great work and the service that uh, you have been uh, providing for this country. We owe so much to you and are so grateful. Take care of Mark Ridley Thomas. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you have my word on that. I will take care of Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas, soon to be City Council member Mark Ridley Thomas. Thank yeah, you so good. much, Reverend Jackson. The best Thank to you. you. Thank you. Well, okay. Keep hope alive. What an incredible way to remember the legendary civil rights leader, Reverend Jesse Jackson. I want to thank him for sitting down with me during this critical time. So much is going on. So to have an opportunity to sit down and pick the brain of one of, uh, you know, this nation's uh, historical leaders who's been on the fight for justice is really uh, been my pleasure. And uh, Lots of thanks to my good friend, Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas. We've been working together here in Los Angeles on so many uh, of the issues that you hear about in the news from you know, health equity uh, to childhood uh, sex trafficking. Uh, we've been, uh, I've had the privilege of working along with him on those really important issues. Wanna thanks uh, again to all of you for joining us. Such a uh, inspiring conversation with these two leaders. A big shout out today to my production team for making this interview and, and making this show uh, happen because it's really a special show for me as a civil rights leader. Whenever I get to sit down with uh, historical figures, it, it's such a pleasure for me. We are going to continue this conversation about race and uh, about how we move this nation forward. So continue to follow me uh, at Ariva Martin. I just have a couple of words I, I want to leave you with. John Lewis, and you heard Mark Ridley Thomas talk about John Lewis. You heard Jesse Jackson talk about Congress member uh, John Lewis uh, in his powerful 
uh, eulogy and service last week. I, I was so moved by everything that was said and, and also by this powerful op-ed that he wrote in the New York Times that he was so strategic. He told them not to publish it until the day of his funeral. And in that article, he said that ordinary people could redeem the soul of this nation by getting into what he called good trouble. And he said voting and participating uh, in the democratic process were key. Jesse Jackson, as you can tell from that interview and from his life's work, he spent his lifetime, he spent a lifetime getting into that good trouble that John Lewis talked about. From his early days as the leader of the Southern uh, Christian Leadership Conference to his days as an activist at Operation Push, uh, Jesse Jackson has made his life's work uh, to fight for the equalities of others. And he talked about staying focused, keeping our eye on the prize, remembering the, the importance uh, of voting uh, and turning this, this, this protest and passion that we see in the streets into electoral politics and, and for once and for all, taking back this nation and, and really making the, the, the rights of, of everybody, not just Black people, but with Latin people, Asian Americans, uh, Native Americans, making everybody a, a part of this American fabric. So I want to thank, again, Jesse Jackson for his leadership and for his work. I want to thank uh, Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas again, and, and thanks to all of the civil rights leaders who continue to really put their lives on the line uh, so that people like me, a little black girl from a poor neighborhood in North St. Louis can go to Harvard, become a civil rights lawyer. It's because of leaders like Jesse Jackson. Y'all be safe out there. And remember, we are all in this together. Thanks for joining me for this episode of A Special Report. Please take a moment to share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. I always want to hear your thoughts. You can share your comments with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by following at Ariva Martin. Thanks and be safe out there.